This is a message of hope and good news for you. You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Uncle Len. We'll be talking today about death. Greetings to you all, my radio friends. A lot can happen in a week, can't it? I hope it's been well with you this past week. Personally, I find it difficult to answer when people ask me, did you have a good week? Generally, I tell them that it's been okay, but in reality, there are always ups and downs. I try not to have downs, but sometimes they happen even with the best organised people. There are circumstances which we are unable to control and we just have to make the best of those situations. The main thing, though, is to remain close to God. Keep Him as your confidant, your best friend. He will not abandon you despite how you feel. Feelings are not always a safe guide. We may feel that God is too busy to care about us, but that is not so. Rely on God's word, not your feelings. God's word is constant. His promises are sure. In times of personal stress, it is good to pick out a promise from the Bible and to trust in it. God is faithful, and he loves you even when you think you are unlovable. The book of Psalms has many promises and there you will find personal experiences of others who've been through situations similar to what you have to face. Situations of guilt, rejection, hopelessness, opposition and even death threats. We can find comfort from God's promises and from the Psalms. I once knew a family who had to go through a very painful experience, and this is the story. After work each day, Jim, the husband and father, liked to walk to the nearby hotel bar, have one or two drinks, and then go home again. Jim was not a heavy drinker. One evening, while he was quietly sipping his beer, He noticed another patron in the bar who was aggressively drunk. Jim kept looking at the drunk who saw him watching him. The drunk, enraged to see Jim looking at him, came menacingly toward Jim and tried to start a fight. Jim wanted no fight, so he stepped backwards away from the drunk who continued to follow him. Kicking and punching and cursing, the drunk advanced, intending to take out his drunken fury on an innocent man, that is, Jim. At one point, Jim was close to the main barroom door when the drunk lunged at him. Jim, 
lost his balance and fell, smashing the full-length plate glass panel of the door. The worst thing, however, was that there was a long, tubular door handle about a metre long, running diagonally from one side of the door to the other, and as Jim was falling, he slid down the handle. There were knife-like shards of glass sticking up, and as Jim slid down, the shards of glass cut his belly open. It was a horrible mess, and Jim died almost instantly. Jim's wife, Annette, told me about this disaster a few months after it happened, and she was very distressed. But, she said, he comes to visit me every night. I can feel his presence in the room. You may have heard of, or even experienced, a similar visitation yourself, and probably had many questions like these to ask. Was Jim really dead? If there was someone in the room, who was it? What happens when someone dies? What about those who come back from death experiences and so on? Where does one find answers to such questions? People look for answers in different places and come up with different conclusions. There's a lot of confusion about this subject because dead people are not able to give us any help. But there is one place where you will get the right answers, and that's the Bible. The Bible is the only reliable source of information on matters such as this. So, we'd better find out what it says. In the first book of the Bible, Genesis, is recorded the story of creation and about how evil came into the world. God, in his love, had made a test, a choice. So Adam and Eve, if they wanted to, could choose to accept or reject God. God placed one particular tree at the centre of the garden and told Adam and Eve they could eat anything from anywhere in the garden, but don't touch that tree, because if you do, things will change dramatically. You will die. Satan came along and tricked Eve into disbelieving God. Satan slyly suggested that God was keeping something back from her and then told Eve a blatant, no-holds-barred lie. He said, and it's recorded in chapter 3 and verse 4, You shall not surely die. Well, Eve did surely die, and so did Adam, and human beings have been cursed with death ever since. Death is a result of, of sin. It's a simple equation. If you sin, death is the result. Commit no sin, result, live forever. The problem is that all have sinned, so death comes to everybody. There was only one who never sinned, and that was Jesus. He lived a perfect life, but his death was given as a substitute for us because we have all lived imperfect lives. You know, when you think about it, why should death be a factor of life in humanist philosophy? 
Maybe we'll deal with the topic of humanism later on. When God made man, the Bible says in Genesis 2 verse 7, The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul or being. A soul is simply a living person. A living person consists of a physical body which has life. That is, soul equals body plus life. Or, you could put it another way, soul equals body plus spirit. Take away the life and what is left. Put crudely, all that is left is a lump of meat. The soul is not the life, that is, the spirit. I'll say that again. The soul is not the life, that is, it is not the spirit. The soul is the complete living being. To say that the soul goes to heaven is a misuse of the word. To use an analogy to illustrate what a soul is, a stool is a seat plus legs. Take away the legs and what do you have? Or take away the seat and what do you have? Certainly not a stool. A soul is body plus life. In the Gospel of John, there is recorded a story which teaches us more about this subject of death. It is in John chapter 11, verses 1 right through to verse 44. The story is about Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, all of whom offered hospitality to and were friends of Jesus. Lazarus became very sick. Jesus and the disciples were in another part of the country when the news arrived that Lazarus was sick. Jesus took note of this, but did not go back to Bethany straight away. In the meantime, Lazarus died and was buried. Back in those times, in that area, the dead were embalmed. That is, they were smeared all over with special ointment, wrapped in strips of cloth and placed in a hollowed-out cave with a big stone rolled in front of the tomb to stop predators from getting in and eating the body. Shortly after Lazarus had died, Jesus announced to his disciples that they'd all go back to Judea, that is to Bethany, with the intention of going to see Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus. The disciples remonstrated with Jesus as they knew that the Jews in the area were planning to kill him. Jesus answered, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. The disciples then said how they thought if Lazarus was asleep, that would be a good thing to help him recover from his severe illness. In verse 13, the Bible records this. Jesus had been speaking of Lazarus's death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. And in verse 14 it says this, So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Four days after he died, 
Lazarus was resurrected. The interesting thing was, after he'd been resurrected, he didn't say a single word about how wonderful it had been in heaven or anything like that. Why? The answer is that while he was dead, he knew absolutely nothing. The point of all this is Jesus had likened death to sleep, a state of unconsciousness. You are listening to Give Me the Bible with Uncle Len. We are going to take a short break and we'll be back in a minute. Just before the break, I was um, sharing with you the story from the book of John and what Jesus had to say about death. And he likened death to a sleep, that is, a state of unconsciousness. Unfortunately, there are some people, and especially some ministers, who should know better, who say that at death the soul of the deceased person goes to God and is with God from that point on. The dead, according to them, have been given immortality. But that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible is very clear about the dead and it teaches the following. 
Firstly, God alone has immortality. Secondly, when someone dies, their thoughts perish. And you can look that up for yourself in Psalms chapter 146, verse 4. And thirdly, the dead do not praise God. That's in Psalm 115, verse 17. Fourthly, in the grave, there is no remembrance of God. And that's from Psalm chapter 6 and verse 5. And lastly, the dead know nothing. And you can read that for yourself in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 5. I'll just go through those again. God alone has immortality. When someone dies, their thoughts perish. The dead do not praise God. In the grave, there is no remembrance of God. And finally, the dead know nothing. If someone has no thoughts, that is, if their thoughts perish, if there is no remembrance of God and no praise of God, how can these ministers teach such utter nonsense that all is well, the deceased are in heaven? Have they too fallen for Satan's lie? I heard about a particular pastor who was officiating at the funeral of one of his parishioners. The pastor told the funeral guests that the dead person was now in heaven enjoying heavenly bliss. Someone said to the pastor, Doesn't your church teach that the dead are sleeping? The pastor replied, Yes, that's true. But we tell the people that their loved one has gone to heaven. It makes them feel better. I would be not very happy if that man was my pastor. He believes one thing, but says something quite opposite. In fact, I'd find it hard to trust him. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 34, it is recorded where the Apostle Peter is preaching. He announced that David, that very revered spiritual king of Israel, and described as a man after God's own heart, was not in heaven. David did not ascend to heaven, is what Peter said. So, if David had not gone to heaven, neither has my mother who died at over a hundred, nor has the Apostle John, nor Mary, the mother of Christ, nor the Apostle Paul, nor Lazarus, nor has the prophet Isaiah, nor Martin Luther, nor any of your dead relatives. They are in the grave, having no thoughts, no praise, no remembrance, resting, nothing more, nothing less. If you read the epitaphs on gravestones, it is quite common to read short statements like these, Sleeping in Jesus, or Till He Comes, or Resting in Jesus, or Awaiting the Second Coming, or Sleeping Peacefully, and so on. I think there's more sound theology on the gravestones than what comes from some ministers' mouths. But there is a day coming 
when the graves will be opened and the righteous will be resurrected and taken to heaven collectively. We read about this in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17. This is what it says. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. This time is called the second coming of Jesus. The verses tell us that Jesus comes down from heaven to collect them. They don't just rise up and go when they die, they wait in the grave. Two other things. Firstly, where do you think people get the idea that when a person dies, they go to heaven? It is probably from Ecclesiastes 12.7, where, speaking about death, it says this, And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. The spirit means the life. Some try to tell us that the body stays in the grave, but the spirit goes off to God and has a lovely time in heaven. Now how could that be if there are no conscious thoughts after death? No praise of God? No, the spirit, that is the life, goes back to God. He is the life giver. He gave it in the first place. The other thing concerns a strange parable told by Jesus and is recorded in the second half of Luke chapter 16 and from verses 19 to 31. The story, or the parable, is called The Rich Man and Lazarus. Jesus told this parable to illustrate how hard-hearted and set in the ways the Jewish leaders were. The parable goes like this. Lazarus, this is a different one than we were talking about before, was a beggar, and he spent his time at the gate of the rich man's house, hoping to get a few handouts now and then. Eventually, both the rich man and Lazarus, the beggar, died. The rich man went to hell, and Lazarus went to heaven near Father Abraham. The rich man in agony in hell calls out to Abraham, Please let Lazarus come down here with a little water to cool my tongue. I'm in agony. Tut, tut, said Abraham. You had all the good times while on earth, while Lazarus had it tough. Now the tables are turned. Besides all this, the gap between heaven and hell is too wide. The rich man replied, and you can read this in verse 27, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so they will not come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. 
Now comes the punchline. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Notice the words, rises from the dead. The story is told to drive home a point. In the story, Abraham, the rich man, and Lazarus are all talking. But how can they talk when the Bible says their thoughts perish with them when they die? And if the spirit, as some people understand it, as a mind without a body, lives on after death, how come the rich man can feel pain and thirst and has a tongue? And then what about hell? Hell does not exist at present, nor has it existed in the past. It will be a future worldwide event at the end of the world. It is not safe to use parables as a basis for your beliefs. Parables are generally told in order to make a point. Back to the story of Annette and Jim. Was Jim in the room at home after he died? No, Jim was asleep in the grave. If there was someone there, it was one of Satan's evil angels. These angels, or spirits, are able to impersonate someone who has died and fool living people that their loved one has come back from the dead. But the evil spirits are also aware of what awaits them, and that's eternal destruction. This subject about where are the dead 